Today's episode is brought to you by North Texas Honda Dealers. North Texas Honda Dealers, they're here to help. Welcome everyone to the Republic of Football. I'm your host, Shahan J. Rajad, the college football insider at Dave Campbell's Texas Football. You can find all of our work at texfootball.com. You can find us on Facebook, Dave Campbell's Texas Football. You can find us on Twitter at DCTF. And you can become a subscriber at texasfootball.com slash subscribe. All right, as always in the building, we got Ishmael Johnson. Ish, how you doing, man? Yo, what's up, buddy? Yeah, nothing much, nothing much. Just uh, obviously trying to hawk my uh, my Dave Campbell's Texas Football protein powder of course uh <laughs> when oh, are we are we gonna announce the body wash or the intensity <laughs> pills uh coming soon so for for those of you who are not as online as me and ishmael which hopefully is all of you uh <laughs> sports illustrated was bought a few you know a few months ago by a big sort of conglomeration whatever uh and yeah. They have decided that they're going to put the Sports Illustrated logo, one that we love and, you know, trust historically, all that sort of stuff. (laughs) They're going to put the Sports Illustrated logo on, like, protein powder and, like, omega-3 vitamins. Like, (laughs) I just, they're they're literally going to the InfoWars model. Like, (laughs) oh, yeah. It's like I literally posted the photo of Alex Jones hawking his, like, toning pills or whatever he did, like, a couple years back. Where he just like where he showed the progress of forty five days and it was and just, just him looking redder. more red. <laughs> <laughs> but but oh my god, that was the best thing. Like there, there, you know, there's a lot of things that are that are bad right now. Obviously, <laughs> that was like one of the funniest things because obviously, you know, they've also gone through like layoffs, and when you realize like that's what their that's what their new venture is, is like oh they cut costs to do this. Like, and so you, you, instead of looking at it cynically, which is the smart thing to do and be like, wow, this is, this is, this is kind of, uh, uh, you know, sketchy and, and kind of wrong that they're doing that. You have to laugh because like, that's all you can do right now. Cause you can't look at everything so negatively. You got to be like, wow, people actually made the decision to cut salary so they can hawk men's vitality bills. Like. So so here's the comparison that I'll make, right? So I used to work yeah. for Cox Media Group, right? And uh, oh yes, okay, they, they, yeah, they, had, <laughs> they they have like a college football. They had like a college football vertical, and then they kind of just gave up on it, right? It's so like some people might right. know DieHards.com, SEC Country, uh, but anyway, literally like two months after they shut down this whole vertical, right? Then all of a sudden they went out and bought an esports team. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's just it's just like wait a minute you guys were just like you just decided that the time was right we had some extra money now that we don't have this college football vertical we're gonna buy an esports team we're gonna go to the future right. so what we're trying to say is this is the last episode of republic of football and we will be hawking dctf body wash uh, which greg tepper appropriately said smells like the press box oh so you'll smell God, terrible i sure hope not i uh. sure hope not so who, who who is the equivalent of of Alex Jones uh, posing a shirtless pic of him getting redder, right? Like, is it like, is is it like Peter King? Question. Like, is it is it Chris Ballard? Like, Ooh, I, that, oh, my, oh, that's a good one. Is it, it's Peter <laughs> King just looking redder? I, I think it has to be Peter <laughs> King, right? Like that that seems like. <laughs> That's awesome. Oh my gosh. Oh lord. Well, uh don't don't bet on that anytime soon. As as everybody probably knows if you've, you know, seen us before. I don't think that me or Ish are going to be the redder ones out of the Dave Campbell sex football family. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> if 
but you know, it, look, if uh, if we start selling protein pills on the Republic of Football, please, please Whoa. subscribe because Lord knows we would need the funding. At that well, point. well, let, let's spe- let's specify. Let's specify DCTF <laughs> protein pills. If there's a third party that wants to sponsor us, sure, go yeah, ahead. Yeah, I will happily, totally I will happily hawk totally protein <laughs> protein uh, supplements from another company, but I don't want to slap a DCTF label on it and say it's DCTF. <laughs> Dave Campbell's personal protein powder. Lord, oh man. Well, anyway, welcome to uh, to this college football <laughs> podcast. I guess. <laughs> oh man, oh man. The world is wild out there right now. Yeah. But anyway, uh, let, let's get let's get back on track a little bit, right? So, this last week has been uh, an interesting time, obviously in uh, in Texas college football. Uh, you know, cases. Leveling out a little bit, but still are extremely, extremely high in the state of Texas. And in response to that, we have seen some movement. So the biggest news to me is is the American Southwest Conference, uh, the top D3 mm-hmm. conference in Texas, featuring Mary Harden-Baylor, Harden-Simmons, all of the, the really good D3 schools that you know. Uh, they're pushing football to the spring. And yeah. actually at this point, I mean, it's it's basically like one or two D3 conferences that play football that are holding out. Like basically everybody's in the spring now. So I mean... I, I don't know. Is this is this the start of something, or do you think maybe it's going to be more of the smaller schools kind of making these decisions now? Yeah, I'm wondering if it is if it's going to be a smaller school thing. Um, as far as the spring is concerned, um, sure. I'm curious to see. I don't know what the domino would have to be for an FBS program to make the decision. Um, as we're seeing, obviously the SWAC made that decision, but. Right. And they kind they of function a little, out, yeah, independently. I was about to say they operate they operate outside of like the FCS playoffs, so you know there's there's some leeway there. Um, kind of the same with the Ivy League too, isn't it? They don't make the FCS right, playoffs, right. do they? Yeah. No, so, they don't. Um, so yeah, it's, it's it, I'm curious to see what like you know the first big domino to fall as far as like the ones that aren't autonomous, right? The, 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 a program that's not autonomous to another league that operates outside of the FBS structure or the FCS playoff structure. Cause right now it, it is just small schools and, and credit to them. You know, they re- they see the opportunity to make a decision that's best for them. Um, because they operate in this kind of bubble of their own. Um, I'm wondering, yeah, I'm wondering what that domino is going to be because we see, we hear like rumblings, we hear ADs talking here and there, but like nothing concrete that really strikes me as, you know, as, as something worth really hyping up right now. Um, because spring, I mean, spring does conflict, right? Spring conflicts with so many, obviously with other right, sports right. that they want to, that they want to highlight, obviously with other, um, uh, gen, you know, ways to generate money. Like, can you imagine UConn having to, you know, de- dedicate resources to football in the middle of women's basketball season. Like, well, I well, can't the, imagine them wanting to do that. The one good thing about uh, about UConn having to do that is that, like, you know, they won't have to worry about traffic issues going to the stadium, right? Like, <laughs> nothing fair. will change. Fair enough. You know what? Fair enough. <laughs> fair enough. Yeah, they could just be like, you know, we'll just keep it the same. Like, everybody will just go to women's <laughs> basketball. <laughs> right, right, right. As they should, for the record. Uh, <laughs> no, I mean... It is weird because it does feel like, it does feel like, because I think that's a good point that you mentioned. It's sort of the, the independent uh, functioning things, you know, with the SWAC and the Ivy League. And, and I don't know whether the MIAC has officially decided that they're playing football in the spring, but they've decided Right, yeah, because that, that's the, 
that'd be the tie-in for the SWAC because right, they do the, the celebration other HBCU more conference. Um, so you know, I don't think that we know that is yet, but but like you said, those three conferences choosing to do something different means something totally different than the FCS playoffs, right? And so mm-hmm. for us, I think the interesting thing's going to be, and actually, I will jump in and say. Uh, I think it's the CAA is one that James Madison is in and they have canceled football, but they're letting James Madison and one other school play independently, I believe. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, so we have seen a little bit of movement, but look, I mean, I do think it's fair to say, like, if the Southland decides to move to the spring, I I think that that changes the calculus for the entire FCS, right? And Mm -hmm. I can't remember off the top of my head what North Dakota State is in, but same deal, you know, if they decide to move to the spring that changes everything. I think, I, I think that, you know, we're talking about FCS here, obviously. And, and in division two, uh, I think that according to Western New Mexico's statement yesterday, and we'll get to them in a second. Uh, I think that 11 of the 23 football playing conferences in division two, have moved to the spring at this point uh, in division mm-hmm. three. Again, we're only talking about one or two conferences lagging behind and, and really they're waiting for the NCAA to officially decide to move championships to the spring. At that point, they'll, you know, obviously follow, um, you know, and I don't get me wrong. I know that, uh, you know, I, I know that with the money involved in FBS football and power five football, everybody's just trying to wait as long as possible to make a decision. But it is still mm-hmm. a little surprising to me that at this point, you know, it's about to be August. Uh, we still don't have really any clarity on, on what the FBS and power five are going to do. Well, I think that, kind of speaks to the ignorance that a lot of leagues are playing with um we can look we don't have to look any further than the the parent league of all of it you know the nfl like they were caught with their pants down by their players saying hey by the way what are we doing in two weeks and the nfl is like oh right we play football and like we, we have to think of something um we i'm wondering if this was like the product of this being something that broke out in the spring, this being obviously COVID, that happened in the spring and the partial ignorance, but it was an ignorance on everybody and there's nobody in particular that was more ignorant at the time. We all kind of thought this would blow over in some aspect, in some respect by the season, um, or at least definitely not you know, to the level it is now. But I'm wondering if it was like a level of like, oh, we don't have to worry about that. Right, we won't have to worry about that. And so, even as the season approached, it was kind of like, oh, we have to worry about this. And we probably should have worried about this back in April. But if you remember, the NFL around the draft was like, yeah, our schedule is going to stay on, on, on track, right? Um, all the FBS conferences were saying the same thing, too. Despite, you know, the NBA prepping, obviously their season didn't coincide with the NFL, but you get, you know, they were making plans right, right, to right. finish out their season. Um, and you saw the other sports in the NCAA kind of doing the same MLB to a certain extent doing the same. Um, but I'm wondering if it was the NFL just kind of like, oh, it's a spring thing. It'll be gone by the fall. And obviously that kind of trickled down to college football um, and kind of those decision makers. Because, I mean, if we're being honest, universe, like I can't, we can't even single out college football or college sports because universities are having an issue that issue right now. Right. Like right. some universities are trying to get students back on campus somehow um, in time. And, and again, if they're supposed to be on schedule, these, this is supposed to be happening in the next week or two. Right. And I think that, you know, this is not something that I particularly remember, but but I know that we've had some discussions in the in the 
you know, the work slack that, you know, mm-hmm. back in 2009 when when swine flu hit, right? Like, obviously, that was mm-hmm. sort of a big thing. Thankfully, it, it wasn't as deadly as this. And, and you know, so that kind of changed the calculus. But, like, you know, in early 2009, there were some delays, right, with uh, with kids sports especially. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. you know, but, but eventually what happened was that we kind of got things under control enough and and not you know to the to the point where things were were safe enough that we could come back and it didn't really affect the fall and right. i think that a lot of us i mean i'll be honest i didn't think that we'd be sitting here on you know what is it july 29th uh talking sure. about how nothing's open you know like sure. i i didn't think that we'd be at this point i uh you know one thing that i was having a talk about with some of my friends the other day is like you know, when this stuff first started, you know, we knew that it was serious, but again, we don't necessarily think that like a pandemic is something that can shut down all of society in the year 2020, right? Like, I think that right. th- there's a certain level of bravado and a certain level of, you know, feeling invincible that this is something that happens other places. And, and we don't need to get into mm-hmm. all of that. But like, you know, I, I think that there was certainly reasonable reason to, to be like, well, you know, we won't necessarily need to worry about this in the fall, right? But that that sort of should have mm-hmm. ended like May first, right? Like, I was about to say, yeah, it should have ended really, really quickly after that, that. That should have ended when when we were still in quarantine and everybody was like, we have no better idea to deal with what we're dealing right. with than what we have right now, right? At that point, right. you know, that that's when the NFL and college football and all of them should have been having conversations. And it is funny because I'll, I'll tell you what. We were also talking about this in the Slack earlier. I mean, we are seeing right now, in terms of sports leagues, what good and bad leadership looks like, right? Like, with the NBA, you've got this wild-ass strategy where you've got, like, this bubble and you've got, like, these testing protocols and you're, you know, putting people in, in hotel rooms for 10 days. And thankfully, at this point, it seems to be working, right? And, you know, hopefully that keeps up, but, like, at this point, you know, if you're going to do something like this, you've got to go wild and out there, right? And and we saw the yeah. NHL follow, and we saw MLB ba- basically be like, now nah, we just won't have fans, we'll do everything else the same. And we already have, you know, a, a spread within the team with the Miami Marlins. So Yeah, like and people are talking about, you know, rightfully so, people are, you know, questioning logistics when it comes to college football because obviously these leagues operate you know, from a, a certain point of, of, or they have a certain amount of authority over these players um, because, you know, they're, they're paying them and there's like, they're basically employees. And so like they can, you know, there are certain things that they could do, like sign them up to go to this, basically this bubble in Orlando where they can't leave and they have to play and to get paid and, you know, things like that. They have these incentives. The NCAA doesn't have that. So people are rightfully questioning what authority the NCAA has to effectively do this. Um, but as you mentioned, it almost requires that level of authority to properly do this. Right, right. And, you know, obviously at the end of the day with college football, it would take acknowledging that, you know, these players are commodities who, you know, provide necessary value to these institutions, which obviously would then, you know, then we'd have to go down that, that rabbit hole. And obviously people don't want to do that. And, uh, right. You know, so so it's going to be interesting to see because again, I mean, with Division two and Division three, you, you know, schools make money off of it for sure. Like mm-hmm. this is not this is not a charity at Mary Harden Baylor, right? Like they they bring attention to the university by doing this. 
but we're not talking about the you know tens of millions of dollars or the hundreds of millions of dollars that we're talking about with Texas football or Texas A&M football or whoever else and we're seeing you know when money isn't the primary issue that conferences are starting to leave conferences are starting to realize we can't do this safely uh and but then again the ones who obviously have the giant TV contracts are much more hesitant because they don't want to mess with their bottom line, obviously. So I don't know. It, it's just, it puts everybody in a really tough position because obviously I understand why all of these people are trying to make the decisions that they are. But at, at a certain point, you got to realize like this isn't working. You, you got to have another strategy. Yeah. And you, I mean, uh, article an article you put up just today, you know, talked about, uh, the Lone Star Conference right. and how two schools at both schools out of New Mexico basically called off fall football together. And, you know, obviously that's significant for Texas because obviously there are a bunch of schools in the Lone Star Conference. Um, and basically with both uh, Eastern and Western New Mexico deciding to cancel, it's like, okay, what, what happens now? Right. What do the conference leaders do now? Do they just say, cool, that's your thing we're going on or do they pay attention to why they're calling things off and you know reevaluate potentially of what their plans are right and you know i think that i think that something people need to know about new mexico is that <clears throat> new mexico doesn't have a ton of metros right they don't have a ton of hospital infrastructure yeah, right. they you know which mm -hmm. is why they're trying to be aggressive like they actually shut down because the governor asked college sports to shut down, basically, right? They're like, we mm -hmm. cannot handle there being an outbreak here. Like, we physically can't handle right. it. They're sort of middle of the pack in terms of uh, in terms of COVID numbers, right? Like, they're not especially good. They're not especially bad. They're kind of doing okay right now. We're obviously a place right. like Texas. Like, obviously, it's horrible that it's happening here. We also have a ton of areas that are made to deal with this, right? Like, Right. There's it, a if, lot of infrastructure right. and, you know, a lot of... A lot of res we have vastly more resources than New Mexico to deal right. with the level of outbreak. Right, and and I think that you know obviously one exception maybe being the Valley. Obviously, I think that the Valley is one of the worst places right. that this could happen. But in terms of Houston, Dallas, right. Austin, well, that, that, well, 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 that that's that's the thing, right? Is like right. Texas has the resources, and they're still and we're still struggling. Right, right, and and that's actually you know I mean you look at uh, you know the New Mexico schools for example. I mean, they'd go and play in Oklahoma where things aren't doing very well right now. They'd go and play in Louisiana. Mm -hmm. And actually, I think Louisiana is a good analog for New Mexico. They're very different places. But in terms of Louisiana does not have the resources to deal with this, right? They don't have the state infrastructure mm -hmm. for a variety of reasons. And, you know, you're seeing that numbers are growing faster there than almost anywhere in America right now. And New Mexico right. has to be careful that they don't replicate that. So... I mean, but but yeah, just in terms of football, you know, because let's try to focus on that. Like, I, I think that this puts the Lone Star Conference in a really tough position because you already lost Tarleton State, obviously, who's moving up to, to transitioning to Division One. So you're down to eight teams. Now you lose two more teams. You're down to six teams. And <laughs> out of those six teams, obviously, multiple of them are, are teams that would hope to make the playoffs. And, and obviously, especially... Texas A&M Commerce, you're talking about a team that should compete for a national championship. I mean, mm -hmm. what do you do? I mean, how do you deal with the fact that two of your eight members, a quarter of the members, are are saying that they're going to pull out? Right. Yeah. It, I mean, all this is to say, you know, we still don't know, right? <laughs> we, we still don't know. Um, and unfortunately, it looks like a lot of these conferences 
don't know either. Right, right. Well, let's go ahead and, and move on to, to our other topic. Uh, so we talked about mm-hmm. the top 50 players, most important players in the state list last week. Uh, at that point, we had released 50 through 21. Now we've got the top 20. Uh, and let's let's start right there at the top, right? So we talked about this a little bit last week. The top four mm-hmm. players in the in or the sorry the four most important players important distinction <laughs> number one I put Sam Ellinger number two Kellen Mond number three Shane Bouchelle number four Charlie Brewer when you look at those four do you think that we got the order right I think we did um, I remember last week I argued for Mond um, being number one and I think he does have a good case but I also think that. Texas, this both AM and Texas are in the year or in the, I guess, what we could categorize as the leap year, as far as like this is the one, this is the year that people kind of always pointed to as the year that they could take the next step. And I think with Mond, there is a level of what if with him. Sure. And so, you know, when you talk about importance, you do have to talk a little bit about the unknown. Um, when you're talking about Sam Ellinger, I think it's very much known that he is probably the best quarterback now actually not not even probably probably most definitely the best quarterback in the big 12 right now and one of the best quarterbacks in the country and I think that when you're talking about his importance you're acknowledging that there is a level of high play that he has exhibited um, that is very much um, important and and critical to Texas's success whatever that level of success may be. Yeah, and for me, I think that one of the factors that I really took into account with it is we know that Texas A&M's defense is going to be legit, right? Like, we know that they're going to be mm-hmm. an elite unit, um, you know, yeah. just because you go into this uh, third year, you you know, you have this great defensive coordinator. You've got, I think, one of the best units in the state in Texas A&M's defensive line. Like, you know that this is going to be a really good unit, um, and mm-hmm. you want to get enough from the offense, right? You want to get enough that uh, that it can that they can be an elite team overall, with with right. Ellinger, we're hoping that that Texas defense can take a step, but Texas yeah. defense was very bad last year, right? Like mm-hmm. the only reason that they even got to eight and five in a lot of ways was because of how good Sam Ellinger was last year. Like if if they have not to pick on a guy, but if they have Case McCoy under center last year, right? Like mm-hmm. how many games do they win? I mean, I think that you're talking about them God. losing several more games, right? You know, and they definitely get. They definitely look a lot worse against LSU. <laughs> right, right. That's never a competition. <laughs> Obviously, against Utah is never a competition. I think if uh, if Sam Ellinger is not their quarterback, so I just look at you know Ellinger's necessity in both the pass and run game too is another part of it. You know, he's he's obviously a critical part of both of those things, um, and I think that. In a lot of ways, I think he could be even more important with Mike Yurcich coming in and bringing some of the dynamic pass concepts that we saw at Ohio State and at Oklahoma State. Like, I, I think that a lot's going to be on Sam Ellinger's shoulders, but I think that, you know, look, we we wrote about that a lot, actually, I think, in our 2018 cover story uh, on Dave Campbell's mm-hmm. ex-football. You know, this is something that he embraces. This is something that he wanted. So I, I think that it's going to be really interesting to see uh, how he deals with this in his senior season, his last chance. Yeah, I'm wondering, like, the the other thing about that is, like, you know, you mentioned Mike Yurisich, Mike Yurisich, and it's like, I don't know if anybody's worried about that, because at, at worst, like, you have Sam Ellinger, right. so it's like, there's, there's, you know, yeah, there's a level of mystique to what he's, what exactly he's going to bring, but it's not like, 
you know, ash on the other side where it's like, I don't know what this defense is going to look like. You know the baseline of what the offense is going to be because you have Sam Ellinger. It's like, okay, at the very least, the offense is going to be good. Like, there's no way... There's no way any competent offensive coordinator can come in and make an Sam Ellinger offense bad. Right. And so, like, you know, so so the the ceiling is – you can't really see the ceiling, but the floor is so much higher than uh, Texas A&M. Yeah. And, you know, uh, th- that actually reminds me of, of when I was talking with Tom Herman for our uh, for our Texas preview. He I, – I asked him, actually. I was like, do you think that this uh, – that bringing in a new offensive coordinator, you know, somebody who's going to change things up a little bit, bring some different aspects to the passing game – do you think that that's going to be a tough situation since you have a senior quarterback who's only going to have one year to get this right? And he basically yeah. looked at me like I was crazy. He's like, "We have Sam Ellinger, like you know, yeah, right? You know, he, he that's and that's a fair assessment, right? Like that's that's a reasonable yeah. thing." So yeah, no, it is. I mean, once you once you have that, you know, afterwards you can you can talk about you know what comes next or whatever. But I mean, right now, who cares? Like <laughs> you you have, you have Sam Ellinger. Like right. there's no there's no worrying. Yeah. Well, looking at this list too. Okay, so I mentioned the top four all quarterbacks. So the top mm-hmm. two non-quarterbacks on the list. We actually talked about this a little bit last week, right? So you said for you, yeah. when you look past quarterback, the most important positions you're looking at are left tackle, which, you know, there, there's some really good ones. I don't think that there's like a superstar uh, this year. Um, mm-hmm. You talk about pass rushers, kind of same deal. But the position where I do think that we have two potentially elite, elite, all-America caliber players is at safety. And so at yes. five and six, you got Trevon Morig and you got Caden Stearns. Now, do you think mm-hmm. that it was right to put Morig ahead of Caden Stearns at this point in terms of most important players? I think so. Um, because Stearns, his 2018 was so good that you can categorize 2019 as a setback for him um, into some respect. And kind of the the whole the defense as a whole as well, but I mean I just don't think how you, I don't, I don't know how you look at last year what Morig did last year, look at all of his metrics, and not have him as the top rated safety in the country in the in the state at least. Yeah, and you know what's funny? Uh, yesterday, Bill Connolly every year puts out uh, you know his his previews of every single team, and he goes back and and sort of makes charts about um, how effective the team was last year at all sorts of different things, right? So mm-hmm. the, the funny thing with Trevon Morig uh, is that we got to see how good he was a whole lot because TCU could not rush the passer, and so he had to play mm-hmm. in coverage a whole lot, right? And, and right. he was really, really elite at it, right? Like, with the amount of targets he got and with the amount of reps he got, uh, the production that he allowed is insane. Like, he actually ended up being rated the number one safety per pro football focus, which is something that, uh, if you follow TCU social, they mention a whole lot, obviously, but it, it's true. Yeah. Um, and look, I mean, Caden Stearns, too, right? Like, I think that, like you mentioned, mm-hmm. freshman year, we saw how good he was. We saw how important he was. And you look last year, too. I mean, he missed four games, and all four of them were pretty embarrassing showings. It was Kansas, Oklahoma, TCU, West Virginia, right? Like, those were four yeah, of... I was good. Texas's worst games right right I was gonna say like if there was like a win if there was like a stat you know warp stat wins above replacement right um you know there stare Stearns and Morg probably would be fighting for one and two and I don't know who would be the who would be number one just based off that because of how bad Texas looked against those teams um 
and and yeah, like I said, like and, and he also played hurt last year too, right? He wasn't fully fully healthy um, the whole season, and so like again, I think going off of that, I mean, it, it it's not his fault, right? Getting hurt, and then obviously Texas' defense around him wasn't the best. The corners weren't the best, um, but taking all that into account. I don't think it's a big detriment to his skill to say like, yeah, he's my, he's one tick below, right? Or Trevon Moore right. said set I'm, the standard. I mean, we're talking about five and six, right? Like, obviously, we're talking about right, exactly. two guys who are who are incredible. Uh, you know, going through the rest of the list. So number seven, mm-hmm. I had Max Duggan, uh, and this is an important thing because, again, I'm not saying that he's the seventh best player in the state. That's that's very important, obviously. Uh, right. But look, if TCU can't get something from that quarterback position, they might miss a bowl again. Like, no matter how good this defense is, no matter how good this running game could hopefully be, like, if they can't get, they can't be 10th, right? Like, they can't be 10th in passing yards. They can't be 10th in, in completion rate. They can't be 10th in, in yards per game. Like, they were last in every category last year. You can't have that right. happen. Yeah, it's it's going to be imperative. And I feel like, God, it's been, what, three years of beating the same drum, right? <laughs> right. Three or four years, maybe four. I don't even know. Um, I feel it. It's starting to look like, or I don't want to say it's starting to look like. If something that if this year doesn't change, you know, it's starting to look like. I don't even want to say like the Patterson shine is wearing off, but it's definitely like okay, there's something that's fundamentally wrong with how TCU is recruited on offense. Yeah. Um, and developed, I should say, too, because they've, if you look at just ratings, you know, they've recruited fine, but their developing has not been the best. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. He, I, have no, I have no issue with Max Duggan being in the top 10, just when you consider what TCU has at stake. Um, that literally just hinges on him. You know, you look at the backfield and they're fine. Like we mentioned, we joked about them running the wishbone just because like they're, they're <laughs> right. so fine. Right. They're so fine in the backfield that you just wish they could run three running backs at once. Yeah. Well, and I mean, the the two running backs that they had last year were Darius Anderson and Shaywell Lonalua, who are both great players yeah. uh, at mm-hmm. receiver. You know, you had a first round NFL draft pick and granted, the one thing Could, that I'll you say. You couldn't get him the ball. <laughs> right, right. The, the one thing that I'll say. I mean, Max Duggan's going to die if they can't get more from their offensive line. But Fair know, enough, 100%. But, but part of that, too, does come down to, you know, Max holding on to the ball, obviously. So, look, I, I think that his improvement, if his improvement doesn't happen again, they're not going to be a whole lot better than they were last year. If he gets to league average level, I mean, again, this is a team that should be really good at everything else. So mm-hmm. I, I think that he's going to be very important. Uh, eight, I picked Reggie Robertson. Uh, nine, I picked Sincere McCormick as a top running back because – He's a, he is the holder of my favorite stat, which is that UTSA's offense averages more than a yard better per, per play when he touches the ball than all other plays combined <laughs> because he's that much better than everybody else. Right. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's, that's both amazing and sad. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because here's the issue, right, is like, if, if you say that with, like, a receiver, right, if you've got, like, a receiver who's like, yeah, whenever he touches the ball, it's 12 yards per play, and, you know, when he does, yeah. it, it, that's that means something completely different than... It's five feet, but, yeah, but McCormick's <laughs> 5.8. <laughs> <laughs> right, right, and and that's a running back. Like, the running back should be the low end of the yards per play. That's how this is supposed right. to work, so, you know. Please, I'm I am begging you, uh, Jeff Trailer and Barry Lunny, please <laughs> get more out of this offense. Uh, 
10 I had Bobby Brown. For for me, I mean, look, trying to parse through Texas A&M's defensive line is tough just because they're all really good and, and all kind of about the same level, right? Like, But I think that mm-hmm. I think that Brown's that guy in the middle especially who, who could step up and fill Justin Matabuki's role. And I think that that's going to be the real question is whether they can get that sort of elite interior play because – I think that that was critical to their defensive success last year. Um, and again, mm-hmm. they've got they've got a bunch of ends, and I don't really know who's going to be the guy who steps up, whether it's a Jaden Peavy or Michael Clemens or, or obviously DeMarvin Leal. But I think that Brown's going to perhaps be that one guy who has a chance to be like the elite All-American type player. Right. Yeah, and uh, so just, just jumping through again, uh, Alan Bowman, number 12 on the list. Uh, I think that we saw last year what – Texas Tech without Alan Bowman looks like and it's not ideal uh, the top mm-hmm. small college player on the list uh, I did want to talk about this guy quickly Jefferson Fritz from Mary Harden sure. Baylor look you were, you were talking about a guy who at this point doesn't even get thrown at anymore <laughs> because he's just so much better <laughs> than everybody else like he's he's a guy who legitimately I mean again we'll look at what the what the state of the world looks like next year to whether uh, you know whether NFL camps will even exist but if if it if they do still exist, I mean, this is a guy from Mary Harden Daly who has a chance to be their next guy in the NFL potentially. Yeah, no, you you definitely hope so. I mean, you know, we mentioned the just kind of the state of everything right now, and, and I guess that's the 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 players that would kind of hurt the most from a season being delayed or canceled would be the guys like Jefferson Fritz, right? Who would bank on uh, a season where people have expectations for him, right? He has his reputation built off his 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 um. Uh, last season where it's like, okay, this guy is an elite player. Let's see if he maintains that. Um, and now, you know, that being potential, that being in jeopardy, you know, it, or at least the schedule just being thrown off um, just kind of throws a little wrench in that. But yeah, I mean, you would hope that somebody would just, we always talk about how <laughs> there's, there's always this risk taking with project players and like the the ability to just play football or play basketball is often just so overlooked and it's like don't you just want a guy who just knows how to play right like 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 you have these undrafted slots you have these six seventh round picks where you're just like don't you just want a guy who's like oh this guy's all conference and let you know set records with interceptions yeah give me this guy let me yeah. let's let's see what he's got i mean and he's not like he's not undersized either he's 5'11, no. 185 right. like that's not undersized that's ideal right right and like this is a guy who has a chance to be a four-time All-American. You know, I mean, right. th- this is a guy who who has been the best player on on Mary Harden Baylor's defense for you know, or at least split that with maybe Joey Longoria, like for several years at this point. Like mm-hmm. we have a sample size at this point. So um, again, with, with a lot of these things, it always is going to come down to like, well, how fast does he run? All that sort of stuff. But, but right, like you right. said, I mean. He's a guy who who maybe could get some NFL attention. And the last guy, we, we kind of mentioned him a little bit last week, but but Brady McBride at Texas State. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. he's at, he's at fifteen, rounding out our top fifteen there. Uh, what do you think? Too high, too low, just right? Uh, I, I mean, again, like we we kind of said last week. I mean, quarterbacks are going to be weighted highly on this list because of how important they are. But but do you think sure. that uh, that that's putting too much on him? Ah, no, I think that's about right. I mean, again, we talked about TCU's quarterback problems. Texas State's been right there, um, even for a little, a couple seasons longer with their issues on offense. Um, one question I did have about one of your rankings that kind of surprised me a little bit. Sure. 28, Connor Galvin. 
Yeah. I kind of thought based off importance and based off what we know that Baylor offensive line looked like without him, I kind of thought he'd be a little higher. Sure. No, and, and I think that's a good point. You know, I think for me, like Baylor's offensive line was obviously so much better when he was in it, right? But mm-hmm. I just wonder whether the unit as a whole is necessarily going to be made or bra- uh, broken by him. Like, I, I just wonder whether the rest of the unit is still building to the point where his impact won't necessarily be felt as much as, you know, again, somebody like Jack Anderson, maybe where the guys around him are a little better. Uh, mm-hmm. But, but look, I mean, I think that when he's been healthy and when he's been active, I mean, again, we put him on the all Texas college first team, right? Like, like we know right. what he can do. And the, the scary thing about him too, is that he's only going to be a true junior this year, right? Like he's been, a 19-year-old kid playing as one of the best tackles in the Big 12. The other thing that I'll mention with him, obviously, is that he's had a lot of injury issues. And that's, look, if you can't show up and participate, that's obviously going to play a part in your rankings. Um, But, no, I mean, I I definitely think that he's somebody who could have been higher. You know, when we're talking about the sort of game-changing left tackles that you talked about last week, like, I mean, Sam Cosme's the guy, obviously, but Connor Galvin Mm -hmm. is probably – in the conversation for a second. Yeah. That, 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 that was the one that, um, I mean, it's kind of splitting hairs at that point. Obviously, with Jack Anderson, he's not that far behind him. He's, what, three spots. Um, Cosme, to me, is obviously the, should be number, the top offensive lineman. But um, I, was, I thought it was an interesting discussion point because, you know, we talk about wins above replacement or, you know, uh, you know who, who do you have behind this guy and how good does the unit look without him and I th- last year we definitely saw that Baylor needs some work outside of Connor Galvin <laughs> yeah and I mean I I don't want to call out his backup but my goodness when he when he went in I mean there were there were times where it was just like you can't play this guy right like <laughs> right <laughs> you know right. like there again and I think that uh I honestly can't remember the kid's name too it's Casey something but uh but no, I mean he he was a redshirt freshman, right? Like it just doesn't look like he was ready at all. And um, yeah, you know, and and like you said, when Galvin went out, they kind of had to shuffle everybody around to try to fill that role. Now, I do think that with some of the guys that they got in the JUCO market, some of the guys who should be a little bit more grown up now, it's going to help to where it's not just this cataclysmic fall. Uh, mm-hmm. But I mean, no, I, I think that he's definitely somebody who could have ended up a little bit higher. Yeah. Awesome. Well. If you haven't read it as yet, uh, the top 50 most important players in Texas college football is on uh, texasfootball.com right now. should be pretty easy to find. A lot of small college guys represented on this list. A lot of guys across the FBS. Not you know We didn't just pick 50 players from Texas and Texas A&M, right? Like, that's not what we do here. <laughs> so uh, make sure and check it out on texasfootball.com. But, uh, but otherwise, look, uh, it seems like every single day <laughs> we're getting – more and more conflicting information about what's going to happen with college football this fall. <laughs> so uh, right. I'm sure that by the time that we talk next week, things will be completely different. And, and actually, <laughs> actually, one thing is Monday and Tuesday next week uh, is supposed to be Big 12 virtual media days. So we're going to hear yeah. some stuff and not know what it means <laughs> you know, on Monday and right. Tuesday next week. Oh, man. Yeah, I can't wait for – I mean, media day is always wild. And now I can't wait for virtual media. Like <laughs> the logistics just sound like a nightmare and I don't envy the conference um, uh, communication staff to have to put this on, but it, 
it's gonna be interesting <laughs> yeah yeah because the quote the sound bites that always come out of media days <laughs> are always great by themselves and so i can just imagine what virtual media day is gonna be like yeah yeah uh, i mean look I, I think that it's great uh but you know with with media days a lot of the time uh, especially in the big 12 you get a lot of people there who let, let's say wouldn't normally be in the press box too right like right and that's not a bad thing right i i love this stuff i think that it's all great for college football, but it, it definitely makes for uh, an interesting time, let's say. <laughs> anyway, uh, as always, you can follow us on Twitter at DCTF. You can follow us on Facebook, Dave Campbell Sex Football. Uh, if you're not already, become a subscriber, a subscriber, excuse me, at textfootball.com slash subscribe. Look, our magazine's out. And at, if nothing else, right, like, don't you want to read about and see what these teams are supposed to be, right? Like, we got no new news coming out. I mean, go through, read every single section, read every high school section. I, I think it'll be a lot of fun. So for Ishmael Johnson, I'm Shahan Raja. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll talk to you again next week.